1: Bravo Tango, Charlie Kilo, episode 101. This is All About Wallets, uh, class 201. We have with us uh, Andy O5. He's senior developer at Armory Technologies, which is the developer of the Bitcoin Armory wallet. Uh, Welcome to the show,
2: Andy. Thanks, Trace. Glad to talk to you.
1: Uh, So... In the previous episode, episode 100, we had talked about private keys, public keys, uh, a concept of entropy, uh, cold storage, hot storage, uh, network security, wallet security. Uh, So we're going to go into some of these concepts a little bit more in depth. And I wanted to start out with the root seed. So in Armory, what is this uh, concept of the root seed?
2: Well, I I call it the root key, and it's a uh, key that you use to generate other keys. So one of the uh, ways in which Armory makes uh, security easy is we've implemented uh, a feature called deterministic key generation. So given a root key, you can generate keys off of that, that will always be the same. So we have a uh, chain of keys uh, called uh, the key chain, and it's not like a regular keychain that you keep your physical keys on. It's simply an uh, enumerated list of keys that come from the root. So uh, starting with the root key, we have a uh, a key at index one and two and three on up to however many keys that you need. And when you need more keys, uh, to, cause we, we suggest you do every transaction on its own key, uh, not reuse keys for more than one transaction. Uh, well, I should say more than two transactions because there's going to be one transaction coming in and then eventually one transaction going out. So. Using any key for more than two transactions will uh, have a incremental uh, negative impact on your privacy
1: now that when you say two transactions, that would be one transaction where there's an input, and that 's where bitcoins come into the public key but then also one transaction where there's an output, and that's where Bitcoins go from one public key to another public key, right?
2: Well, from one to more than one. In general, your outputs aren't going to match what you want to spend. So in the same way that you would go to a convenience store and buy a candy bar, if you use a $20 bill, you're going to get uh, 18-something dollars back in change. And so that change also goes to a new key. So it's coming back to you. So what we do is we generate the next key in our chain to receive that change. And then that change will be the one input, and eventually that change will get spent on one output. So the key that we used for change... Then becomes a new key that has one input and one output, just like every other key in our wallet.
1: One, well, and that's how Armory does it. Now there there are some other Bitcoin wallets out there that uh, send the change back to uh, the same address that it sent it. So, there's well, that's not privacy
2: as privacy issues, it's right? Good, yeah, that's not as good for privacy. So, well, it certainly is simpler. And if you're actually just buying candy bars and you're playing around with Bitcoin and no one cares about the amount of money that you're spending, and you're just a regular person that's using Bitcoin for walking around money then well no big deal that's fine
1: but but there could also be a potential security problem when someone is reusing keys uh, I think it was it was one of the Android wallets where uh, where the private key could be deduced uh from one of the signed transactions because of uh, a poor way that the that the private keys had been uh, generated.
2: Well, that that um, I'm not sure if that has anything to do with the reuse of the keys or just the poor entropy in the way the keys were generated.
1: Well, the the reuse of the key, so when when the when the transaction showed up in the net when a transaction would show up in the network, uh, you could. Because it had a signature from the private key, you could deduce what that what that private key was uh only from the the transaction in the network which is public and if you had sent the change back to that address then and somebody were able to deduce the the key uh, from that transaction then they could in effect steal your change
2: uh, uh well the Way that the private key signing works is that you should not be able to ever work backwards. If there's poor entropy, then there's going to be a particular kind of attack that will attack the poor entropy. So the, those two kinds of uh, attacks are, are separate and distinct. I don't know if that was the case in in, in the uh, in the Android uh, uh, weakness, yeah. but uh, I could be misinformed about that, and that's something that. Uh, somebody else might have more knowledge about
1: well and so that's you know that's one reason why it's good to always be using a new public key uh whenever your your bitcoins are coming back as change or whenever you're sending them to somebody is so that uh there's not that additional uh piece of information out there Right That could potentially be used uh, in some way now, also when Bitcoin core or bitcoin Qt came out when you when you backed up your your private keys uh it would only back up one hundred of them mm-hmm. How is this root seed concept and how armory has implemented it? how is that helpful uh so that you make sure that your Bitcoins are are backed up.
2: (laughs) Well, the thing about having deterministic key generation is you only need to back up one key, and then you can generate all of the keys that your wallet uses. So there is no concept of uh, backing up a bunch of keys, and then once you use those up, then you have to back up a bunch more keys. That's not a uh, sustainable system. No, who, no one's got time for that, you know what I'm saying? So uh, this allows you to uh, simply back up one key, and then that key is used, is used to generate all of the other keys. Also, I want to put in here that we have a new version of this coming out soon where it's not a chain. It's actually a tree. So you have the potential to back up many wallets with one private key. Rather than having the uh, keys indexed by a single integer uh, that counts up from one to whatever, you have now a, a vector of integers such that you might have a key at Uh, index 1.1.1. And geez, that sounds a little bit like IP addresses. So yeah, that's about how these are indexed now. They look more like IP addresses. And um, you can actually have uh, various organizations of your tree where uh, one private key has a bunch of wallets, or you can have it as one private key has a bunch of accounts, and each of those accounts has uh, branches, and each branch has various uh, addresses on them. So we're taking this whole concept of uh, deterministic uh, key generation to um, to a whole other level with the, the deterministic key tree. Uh, the details of this are actually described in a Bitcoin improvement proposal uh, called BIP32. And you can read and get in depth with that. And, and other uh, BIP32 uh, key generation uh, software is is coming online as well, so that's going to be really the the standard going forward from now on.
1: And, and it should be noted that uh, Alan Reiner, uh, our CEO there at Armory, uh, he was actually very instrumental in innovating this whole uh, hierarchical deterministic uh, space. Right.
2: Right. That's really the end point of deterministic key generation: is the ability to back up a uh, an entire system with one private key so that uh, you can have an, an exchange that uh you secure every private key involved in every user's account on your exchange with one uh super secure offline cold storage computer where you keep your the keys to the whole operation
1: and and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that later cuz there are additional attack vectors that come from uh like these parent child uh key relationships but you mentioned a, a phrase there super secure cold storage uh like what what is this whole idea of cold storage cuz that's another thing that Allen innovated right
2: well yes be uh one way of doing cold storage is you write your key down on a piece of paper and you hide it under, uh, under a rock. (laughs) That's, that is your super cold storage because no hacker, uh, is going to be able to find, uh, your piece of paper. If, if they do, then they're not a hacker. They're, they're a a burglar. (laughs) That's different. (laughs) Um, so the problem with that kind of cold storage is, well, whenever you want to access that private key and use it, well, then you've got to go find that piece of paper. And, um, that's not very convenient. That's great if you have, uh, savings that you're not going to touch or you're going to leave for your children. Uh, that's, that's not necessarily, uh, useful for anyone that's going to have uh, a lot of uh, transactions with with uh, their Bitcoin. So what Bitcoin Armory has done is allowed you to have all the security of a piece of paper under a rock and still be able to use your private key. And that's where the concept of a uh, offline cold storage computer and an online watching only computer comes into play. So, with Bitcoin Armory, we have uh, our application such that it can be installed on both an online computer that uh, has no private keys on it. So it has only the public keys, and those public keys are used to uh, organize uh, your bitcoins and to look up their balances and to find out uh, exactly what you can spend, and you can create transactions, and you can broadcast transactions. You can do all of these things except sign those transactions. In order to sign one of those transactions, you need your offline computer, which also has Bitcoin Armory running on it. And this offline computer has hopefully never touched the internet and uh, can be a very scaled down, low-tech computer, perhaps uh, an old laptop or one that you have cleared out all of the uh, peripherals, all the Wi-Fi, uh, maybe even get rid of the hard drive. Because you can run this offline cold storage computer off of a a USB stick. And again, that should be a USB stick that you haven't used for anything else. Uh, It should be acquired from a reputable source. And and you should only be using it for this one purpose. Uh, Because there are... are, Attack software that that can be used to attack uh, USB security. So you want to limit, like you said, the uh, the uh, the space of an attack, uh, and and have a uh, very the smallest window possible for anyone to attack your offline computer. So once you set up an, a, an online computer with access to the blockchain and, and the Uh, internet. Then you also have your offline computer, which is completely separate. The way a transaction would work is you would create it on your online computer, which has what's called a watching-only wallet. and use that watching-only wallet to create the transaction. You can put it on a USB key that's only used for this purpose, take it over to your offline computer, sign the transaction, because that's where your private keys are, and then bring the USB stick with the signed transaction back to your online computer and then broadcast it. Now, what happens is that private key signed the transaction, but the private key never, ever touched the Internet. And that makes it much harder uh, for an attacker to steal your private key.
1: Yeah. So we get all the benefit of the network security from the Bitcoin core, the Bitcoin QT. Uh, but then we get to drastically shrink the attack surface and greatly increase the wallet security by using this, this offline cold storage, uh, device. And so, and, and like you said, it can be a cheap old laptop or a, I think one of my buddies, uh, he got a, laptop and he's able to use that for his cold storage device and uh and so that's you know that's a great way to make sure that your bitcoins are are super safe and secure
2: yeah another thing you can do on top of that is to use uh ubuntu linux on that laptop and ubuntu is a uh very basic easy to use uh you know, bare bones version of, of Linux that that will um you know doesn't have a lot of the bells and whistles of of other versions of Linux and and um it's it's very simple to install. In fact you can have the Linux, the Ubuntu Linux and Armory software on a USB stick and nothing is actually residing on the offline computer except for uh, your data. Mm-hmm. And, so that, that can be uh, uh, super secure. So it's not just the fact that you have this computer offline. It's also more. Uh, you can increase the level of security by uh, running really basic um, uh, operating system on it.
1: Exactly, because then you know the the less moving parts there are, the easier it is to secure those those small number of remaining parts that are actually there.
2: Right. I mean again, you're you're constantly looking at ways to reduce the attack surface. You'll never get it down to zero. There's always a way. Especially when humans are involved. There's always a way.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> humans, <laughs> um, are,
1: humans are very creative.
2: <laughs> exactly. And and we're very creative in how we uh have weaknesses too. So we have very creative weaknesses. And so um, you know, ideally the only way somebody should be able to attack your bitcoins is somehow to trick you into sending them to them because that, that, um, you know, even that you can reduce the attack surface for having somebody trick you into doing that. Because, you know, if you use a multi-signature on top of this, then that would, that would be having your, your bitcoins secured with, uh, multiple, uh, keys. And that's going to be covered in a future, uh, Podcast, but um, just briefly. When you do that, then more people have to be tricked. Yeah, right. Or,
1: or more offline cold storage devices have to be compromised. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so
2: further reducing the, the attack surface.
1: Yeah. So uh, th- actually, this might be a good a good place for a joke that I've got. Um, so I, I've got a really funny. It's a it's a, it's a combination of a physics and a cryptography joke. And, uh, just, just to give our listeners some incentive to like figure out the joke, <laughs> you know, cause like it isn't funny if nobody gets it, right? Um, so on bit on the, on the podcast main site, so www.bitcoin.kn, uh, there's a little orange button where you can start a recording. And so anybody who can explain, uh, the, the joke, uh, we can feature it on the podcast. And so this might be a great uh, opportunity for one of our listeners to, uh, you know, explain the joke and and talk about their business or something like that. I don't know. Or maybe I can send some Bitcoins or buy a T-shirt or something. But anyways, so here's the joke. The colder the storage, the lower the entropy. And so if anybody can explain that joke, like, you know, just go to bitcoin.kn uh, click on the orange button and record uh, the explanation there. So while we're talking about this this cold storage concept, uh, you had mentioned a USB stick. Uh, and then you'd mentioned that, oh, the USB stick could potentially be compromised also. And I know that we've talked about using uh different channels, like using an audio channel, for example, to transfer the signed and the unsigned transaction instead of a USB stick, or using QR codes. So there, there are lots of different ways that we could potentially uh, transfer that data from the online computer to the offline computer to get the signature, right?
2: Somebody even had the idea of, taking out and using old school modem technology if you remember the kind of modems where you would have to take the receiver of an old style phone you know like a rotary phone uh-huh. even or what is a touch tone it was it had to be a touch tone phone right and you would uh take the 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 handle that you would hold up to your ear and your mouth remember that if anyone who's over 30 and <laughs> you you put that Onto this modem, which would actually like have these two like such, suction cup style things, and you would actually put the receiver on the modem, and then it was all audio, and it was uh, like really low bandwidth. I mean, certainly you would not send any kind of uh, image content, much less video content, over this modem. You would you would literally watch text come in on this thing but um people have suggested using that kind of old technology to transfer uh transactions to and from an offline cold storage because certainly there isn't any <laughs> malware written uh to travel over such a a uh, old school modem
1: yeah and it's what two hundred bods or something i mean we we, we Some, could yeah. we, we couldn't even play duke Nukem or uh or wolfenstein three d on that right
2: <laughs> I think that's prior to uh prior to twenty four hundred bot i think that would have been like and lower than that but even, I, right but i think that raises you know that
1: raises a very good point that we can use these older technologies uh in a very security efficient way to greatly increase the protection that we have for our private keys so that nobody captures our flag. Right. Right. And, uh, cause the USB sticks, uh, they could potentially be compromised. Uh, there's been a lot in the news about that. Um, how about printers? Like nobody thinks of their printer as, as being the device that somebody could use to like steal your flag. Uh, but we we actually have a feature in Armory called Secure Print. So, like, why does Secure Print matter at all?
2: Well, if you think about it, Secure Print uses the oldest technology, which would be uh, pen and paper. And the way Secure Print works is, you go ahead and you print out your backup, but it's not really your backup. There is a, a Secure Print code that comes with it, and and that Secure Print code is used. To convert the backup you print out to your actual backup. And the idea is you print your, your secure print backup, which if somebody uh, acquired your printer or there was a security weakness in your printer, they could look at that backup and never get to your bitcoins. Because what you then do is you take the printer paper, the paper that got printed. I'm sorry. The, um, the printout and you write your secure code on it with the pen. And the secure code is displayed on the screen. So as long as nobody's looking over your shoulder, no one will know your security code. And your security code it will be written on the paper, so you can't forget it. And then that piece of paper that you have, which is half printout and half your writing, can be used to recover your private key.
1: Yeah, I think, I think I'd seen a Reddit thread. Somebody was printing out their, their backups at Kinko's. And if people aren't aware, like Kinko's, they actually keep a record of every single thing that's ever printed on their copy machines. And like our, our, like our printers actually have hard drives on them, right? And so, right. like, and a lot of printers are Wi Fi connected. So, right.
2: So you want to make sure your printer is offline if you're going to print it or use secure print because that, that Kinko's employee that discovers, hey, there's 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 actual uh bitcoin money. <laughs> private there's money in our in our logs here. Let me go get that money after hours. Well he's going to run into a, a printout that says secure print on it and it's like, oh, I don't have the secure print code, damn it, and he's not going to be able to steal your money.
1: And, and this, this applies to, to all the different wallets that you could be backing up your Bitcoins with, like whether it's Brain Wallet or BitAddress.org or you're using these quote unquote paper wallets, like these attack vectors apply to all of these, right?
2: Right. So, you know, using a, a non secure printer, a printer that's online, is, uh, is definitely a, uh, an increase to your attack surface.
1: Yeah. I, I actually, um, uh, my printer, uh, the, I made sure that the wifi is, uh, broken on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so it, it, it can't phone home anymore <laughs> to somebody.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, well, also your printer's in your private home. So in that scenario and it's not on the internet, then, then you don't need to bother with secure print because you know, something else happens with secure print is sometimes people have poor penmanship. Exactly, they don't. They don't even know what they wrote down. So, uh, with secure print and with any uh, backup, we we recommend that before you actually put any uh, bitcoins into your wallet, that you uh, you test that backup and make sure. I say, prove to yourself that you'll never have a problem restoring from the backup. And and then once you're convinced. Then, then go ahead and use the wallet.
1: Yeah, that that's a great point because you know we're we're probably more of a security risk to ourselves than somebody else trying to hack our our bitcoins. Um,
2: yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you would figure this out, but I would bet that the amount of bitcoins lost that are completely unspendable is quite a bit more than the amount of bitcoins that have been stolen.
1: Yeah, it, it that would not surprise me because it, it's very very easy for people to uh to just screw up and and send yeah. their bitcoin somewhere where they can't get them out again um yeah let's talk about another feature shamir secret sharing uh so so what's actually going on with this shamir secret sharing
2: well the shamir secret sharing is the cute little math trick that sits behind fragmented backups and uh What's great about Shamir secret sharing is that it's an obscure concept, but boy, is it simple! It's not that hard to understand. as if you have, uh, if you if you've taken uh, high school algebra, and you ever wondered, well, geez, I'm never going to need this. Well, this is the day. <laughs> this is the day <laughs> when, if you had paid attention in high school algebra, you can use that knowledge to understand Shamir secret sharing. Um, If you could imagine you have this uh, private key, which is a number, and that number, uh, that's your secret. If anyone gets that secret, then it's all over, right? So that's a lot for one number. It'd probably be better if you had, say, three numbers and you only needed, needed two of those three numbers. Now, certainly you could take a number like that and break it up into three pieces, but then you need all three. And now you've got three ways to lose a number that will prevent you from ever spending your Bitcoins. But if you had two of three, a two of three fragmented backup of your secret number, that would be you only need two out of the three pieces, not one, because if you only needed one, somebody could very easily steal it. And you've tripled the size of your attack surface, right? Because there's three different numbers somebody could steal if you only needed one. That would be like copying your private key into three pieces of paper. So, right, you've just tripled the attack surface. Uh, And if you needed all three, then you've increased the amount of ways you could lose all your bitcoins. Ideally, it would be two of three because then, right, if somebody finds one of your pieces of paper, then they can't steal your bitcoins. Right, and if you lose one, you don't lose your bitcoins. So to me, that that's like uh, uh, ideal for for uh, for just three pieces of paper. Now, the way it works with Shamir secret sharing is if you imagine your private key is a uh, a point on a line, right? You can you can break that. Uh, number up into three pieces and you only need two and what you do is you make those three other numbers other points on the same line right and then if you have any two of those points you can extend the line out to find your private key and that's exactly how it works
1: so yeah so so kevin uh who who also invested in Armory. It was so funny cuz we we were talking, it was before we had we had funded it and he was like, "You know what? Uh, when I was at Harvard and Kev- Kevin went to Harvard for computer science. He's like, "When I was at Harvard, you know, I, I was in one of my computer science classes and the professor was explaining this concept of Shamir secret sharing and I remember thinking to myself, "When is this ever going to be used this is the most worthless piece of junk that i'm i'm having to learn <laughs> and he, he he was like but it is implemented so elegantly in armory and it's so useful yeah. that like it's just awesome so you know I well was, what's
2: what's amazing about it is if you see how it's implemented then any uh any computer science student You know, in their first year, could this could be a homework assignment? It's not that hard to do, right? (laughs) And
1: and here here's an here's a real life example of how this could have been used. I I was reading a thread on Reddit, and there was a there's a a kid. His dad was an early Bitcoin adopter, uh, but I think the kid is the the son was the one who secured all the bitcoins, and he had done it with paper wallets right and so mm-hmm. he had he had the same uh the same paper wallet in a, in the safe and another copy in the safety deposit box and uh i think those were the two the two backups well guess what happened somebody broke into his dad's house and loaded the safe up like pulled it out of the ground and and drove off with it in a truck and mm-hmm. and the bank didn't open for another 9 hours
2: I heard the story, yeah. And
1: and so if he – and he didn't use this fragmented backups uh, solution in Armory. So he's just waiting on pins and needles hoping that they can't drill into the safe and, right. and take those Bitcoins because he can't get into a safety deposit box for another nine hours.
2: But if And he, hopefully the thieves don't even know they're in a race. Right, right. Yeah, well – <laughs> well,
1: and, and from what I understand, he actually – did get the backup uh, from the safety deposit box and the Bitcoins moved before they got compromised. But this would have been a perfect example of where this concept of the fragmented backups in Armory could have been right. very, very helpful, right? Because right. they could have stole, stolen the safe, but it would have only had one of two – uh well there might have been three fragments in the backup and you need t- any two of them but only right. one of them would have been in the safe right right so so he could have you know the safe could have got ripped up out of the out of the the cement uh drug out of his garage and yet he could sleep uh w- without even uh any worry at all because they wouldn't have been able to compromise the bitcoins had he used this fragmented backups feature right yeah so so this is you know it's and and we should also distinguish this fragmented backups is completely different from multi-signature
2: right a lot of people hear two of three and they think oh that that's like multi-sig well i mean on the surface it sounds a little bit like multi-sig but it's actually quite different and and there's one key difference between uh Shamir secret sharing and fragmented backups and multi-sig. And that is there is a single point of failure. That is when you get your your private keys, to when you get your fragments together to recover your private key, well, now you've got one single point of failure. With multi-sig, you're actually signing transactions with multiple signatures. And all of those signatures are never required to be In the same place. I mean, all those private keys, they can each sign, whereas multi-sig is much better for uh, having secure transactions that require multiple signatures because those private keys, each necessary component to sign a transaction can stay separate. And, and that is, is much more useful actually uh, for day-to-day use.
1: Yeah, because one one could be your your uh your smartphone, one could be your on on computer, one could be your offline computer, and it could require two of three on the multi signature, and then two devices would have to be compromised. So, right. <laughs> um, yeah, so there we go. We've talked about uh, root seeds, cold storage, watching only wallets, uh, secure print. Samir's secret sharing, how we can use these fragmented backups. Oh, one last feature we should probably talk about. Like, what's the difference between a private key import and a private key sweep uh, when we're bringing Bitcoins into Armory?
2: Well, when you do an import, you're actually taking the private key with uh, the Bitcoins that are associated with it in you're actually bringing that private key into your wallet. Now, that private key is not recoverable through your root key. It's separate, but it can be considered part of your wallet. And when you import private keys, you do need to back those up either separately or uh, create a new backup, which includes your root key and all of your private keys, including the new ones. So it's really not the most convenient way, not the easiest way, uh, to bring um, external uh, bitcoins into your wallet. And, and much better and, ways. And to, and yeah. if you use the
1: import, you also have all of the security risks uh, that those private keys had before they even came into Armory, right? Right.
2: Well, you're expanding your attack surface to whatever those private keys were on before. So wherever your private keys have been, I always say, you know, if if you get one of our promo wallets, uh, don't use it. You don't know where those you don't know where those keys have been.
1: <laughs> well, they've, they've been at least don't with uh,
2: they've been at least with Armory Technologies. Right. Exactly. So you know when you get one of our promo wallets, that's a perfect example. You don't import those keys. You you should sweep them. And what that means is you just take whatever bitcoins are in those private keys and send them into a private key well send them to a public key for which you have the private key in your wallet and you know the security level of that private key
1: and that and that's a new private key that's been generated by uh, that specific instance of armory that you're running right uh, so, so it's so, so it's brand new it's clean it it doesn't have any history associated with it Uh much more secure than a right. than a private key import,
2: right? But you know there are purposes for which you really want to import a key. Perhaps you have a vanity uh, address, which you know has the name of your company in it, and you use that to uh, collect uh, donations or or receive payments from people, and you don't. Want to give that up, but you also want to have it in your wallet so you can track it and use the funds that are in it. So uh, certainly you would import such a uh, private key. Now, the whole point of this is to say, look, we have this import feature, but the only time ta- you need to know exactly why you're importing it, rather than sweeping it. And if you have a good reason to import it, then go ahead; it's fine. Just understand that generally it's not as good as sweeping
1: yep okay well wonderful that should be just about it for uh episode 101 uh we've had andy from uh armory technologies developer of the armory wallet and we've been talking all about uh wallets in this episode and so thank you very much andy thank you
2: trace
0: Be sure to get a copy of the free Bitcoin guide at freebitcoinguide.com. Got a question or suggestion? Record your voice at bitcoin.kn. Don't be shy. To help the show, share bitcoin.kn with friends, post about it on Reddit, and otherwise, spam the interwebs. Your iTunes comments and five-star reviews are very important to us. Please continue tuning in to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, where we release interviews with the top people in the Bitcoin world. Now take some choline and let that Bitcoin knowledge consolidate.